0: Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in uh, hell, or Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide me from you, but the night shines as, as the day, the darkness and light are both alike to you. Father, as we start talking about your omnipresence and uh, your omniscience, Lord God, your everywhere presence and your all knowledge lord god i pray in jesus name that you would help us to obtain a new concept of you lord god that you are not far away and that we cannot hide ourselves from you lord so speak to our hearts and think about the implications lord for our own lives and uh, i pray that you bless this sermon and i pray this in jesus name amen now before I start going into today's message on God's omni omnipresence and omniscience I want to recap last week's message very briefly with an important addition I kind of painted a bleak picture of today's world and today today's world there's a lot of things going on and Little of it is really good. I talked about today's world, and it's both abroad and right here in the United States of America. I mentioned that the enemies of uh, the United States and Israel have been getting stronger and stronger, and it seems like America has been getting uh, weaker. And it's worthy to be pointed out, though, before... I give everybody kind of, uh, get all, everybody all depressed and everything, that believe me, these two great enemies of the United States, China and Russia, are going to get their uh, theirs in the end. You know, they're both mentioned in scripture. How many of you knew that? You know, it talks about uh, China is referred to as the kings of the east, and they are going to be destroyed at the Battle of Armageddon. You read about that in Revelation chapter 16 verses 12 through 16. Russia is also mentioned as Gog and Magog. And if you read the uh, 38th chapter of Ezekiel, remember I talked about the restoration of Israel to the land was found in uh, chapter 37. And Russia is an enemy of Israel. And they are going to come into the land according to the following chapter in Ezekiel chapter 38. But they too are going to be destroyed. And there's some indication, you know, especially I believe it's verse 15, which talks about when they've been destroyed, that you go through the battlefield in Mark where all the the bones are located of the people that have been incinerated and that's exactly how you would handle the bodies of people that have been destroyed in a nuclear blast so it might indicate that they are going to be destroyed by nuclear weapons whenever it happens now israel too israel is going to triumph ultimately in the end and I've got a little film clip that I want to have played here so if you would go on ahead and kick that off this is the testimony of a man who is a uh, former Palestinian? It's already up. This is where I pass? know mm-hmm. no. there is hope for okay. the rest of okay. the Palestinians, okay. the rest of, of the Israelis that are not that that not yet does not know Jesus yet, because of people like us who were radically saved by His touch personally, and many people that are very evil and are seeking to slaughter Israelis, the Jewish people. God is still un, has everything under control. Amen? And that's what I'm trying to bring out. You know, I didn't really have time last week. Uh, I think I ran about 15 or 20 minutes over time as it was. But that, that's what I'm trying to bring across here is God's got everything under control. And He appeared to this young man who was about to go out and, uh, explode his explosive vest and kill a lot of people. And the night before that happened, Jesus appeared to him in a dream and he woke from his sleep and then saw Jesus, uh, there standing at the foot of his bed. And, uh, he ran out into the street, according to the uh, testimony, saying, "Genie, genie, Jin That comes from "jin," which is the Arab word, word for uh, uh, spirit, or you know, specifically an evil spirit. You know, that's where we get our word "genie" from. You know, you know the story of Aladdin. You know, he rubs the lamp, and a pair, uh, genie appears. That's where that word came from. So he thought that a demon had appeared to him. But at least he did not go out. He, didn't do, uh, he did do what the uh, apparition, who was Jesus Christ, told him and said, This is evil, what you're about to do. Don't do it. So he obeyed you know, Jesus Christ at that point, but he had no idea where who Jesus was and it took him 2 years before he was finally approached and they told him about Jesus and he got saved and baptized that uh, very same day they, they they baptized him in a bathtub <laughs> of all places so it's a sign that Jesus is moving amen? amen and you know some people might say well why didn't god do that with the 911 hijackers you know i don't pretend to know everything God does but you know what happened with the 9-11 hijackers is the right the Sunday after that you know the churches were packed remember hearing that story about the churches being packed they you know they wanted to seek God and find out why this had happened you know and we kind of had a mini revival uh you know, we're in bad enough shape right now. You know, if it hadn't been for 9-11, we might be in even worse shape than what we are spiritually. And some people were embittered about what had happened with 9-11. And they asked themselves, where was God on 9-11? Well, the answer to that is God was in the same place He was when His Son was crucified. Right. He's been on the throne all during that time. You know... And it should cause us to look for answers to to God and have faith in Him. Okay, so that's, that's my point that I didn't bring out last week is God has got everything under control. Okay. Okay, today I want to return to our series on praise as a weapon. Uh, recently, we've been looking at praise as a weapon to defeat the enemies in our lives. And the thing verse for this, of course, is let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands, Psalm 149, verse 6. And we've been, you know, we've spent some weeks on Thanksgiving, which is one kind of praise, but recently I've been talking a lot about adoration, where we Praise God for who and what He is. And to do this, I've been going through uh, what are called the attributes of God. These include, but are not restricted to His love, His holiness, His justice, His faithfulness, His veracity or truthfulness, His eternity, and then what I call the uh, omni-attributes. Omni meaning all. All. His omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience. And so far we've looked at some of these attributes. We've looked at God as love, God as holy, God as faithful, God as truthful, God as eternal, and God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Today I want to talk a little bit about... uh, I'm not going to have enough time to go through it. We've got communion at the... uh, uh, conclusion of these service here. I want to talk about God is omnipresent and omniscient. Okay? Now what do these mean? Omnipresent. What does omnipresent mean? God is everywhere. How many of you believe that God is here right now? Yes, now. And he's right here uh, with you wherever you go. You can't flee from his presence, as we're going to see in just a minute. Okay, now uh, I want to start with his omnipresence and for God to be everywhere present first because he's got to be everywhere present before he can be omniscient. If he's not omnipresent, he he wouldn't know where you are, so he couldn't be omniscient, Omniscient meaning all-knowing. He knows all things. Now, I want to say as uh, uh, kind of an introduction here, um, when I was 16 and 17, I used to belong to this youth choir. We called ourselves the Victory Singers, First Baptist Church of El Cajon, the uh, uh, church where I was raised at. And I remember one time the choir director sharing with us, you know, that is the rest of the choir, the fact that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And I approached her after the uh, she was talking, and I asked her, you know, where does it say that God is everywhere present in the world? And I think I kind of took her aback by that uh, question. She wasn't really prepared to answer it. And she uh, told me, that she kind of quoted one particular scripture and she couldn't even tell me where the reference was but she quoted the scripture the eye of the Lord runs to and fro across the earth and uh, I looked it up and at Second Chronicles sixteen nineteen, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to them There's another verse that is similar to that, and that's Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Later on, I got involved in the cult ministry when I was 25. And, you know, that was one of the attributes I needed to be able to defend. You know, our Mormon friends do not believe that God is omnipresent. Well how can they? Because they believe that God the Father at least is has a body of flesh and bone. So I had to learn to be able to refute that. And one prominent scripture is Jeremiah chapter twenty three, verses twenty three and twenty four. Jeremiah writes Quoting God, Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? Well, if God the Father has a body and flesh and bones, according to Jeremiah uh, 23, 24, then we must be inside that body. And that's hardly... The case. But the definitive passage concerning the omnipresence and omniscience of God is Psalm 139. The passage that I read earlier at the start of the uh, service talks about his omnipresence. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? This is David writing this. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my my bed in uh, hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide me from you, but when the night shines is the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So, keep in mind that uh, Jesus was talking about his Father, and he said that God is spirit, John four twenty four, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit as in truth. Now I plan to go through the 139th Psalm in depth starting next week. I don't know how many weeks we'll spend on it. Uh, I can't I don't have the time to do it this week because, like I said, the, the, there's communion and there may be some more snow coming in the early afternoon. Uh, so I want to. I won't hold you too long today. Um, but it's important to realize that you cannot hide from God. If you, if that's your choice, you want to try to hide from God, you can't do it. And you can't fool God either. The omnipresence of God it should be a comfort to us. Amen? Because it means that no matter how things are going in your life, you can know that God is always there to answer us whenever we call upon him. But there's two sides to that coin. It mean, also means that we can never fool God. Right? Now I remember when I was um, first started this cult ministry, one of my fellow uh, members of the group uh, that was witnessing the cults with me, A man by the name of uh, David Hubbs. He's a very tall young man, kind of like uh, Willie. And David Hubbs uh, told me and some other guys uh, one time this story. He was raised in a Catholic, Catholic school. And the nuns there told him that you better be good because there's always an angel around you that is writing down these bad things that you're doing. And so he, he kind of told this humorous story Is he decided that he was going to get away from that angel. And he jumped a few fences, ran through a few doors, and then he sat down and he looked up and there was that angel there. You know, not really, you know, not really in that position, but he realized he couldn't get away from that angel. Now that's all kind of theological nonsense because God is omnipresent, Right? He doesn't need to send angels following you around. Because he knows everything anyway. He doesn't need them writing down every bad thing that you do. And besides, every bad thing that you do is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? You're forgiven for it. That's not a license to go out and do the bad things, but it's an indication that God is there, and you stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not your own righteousness. I also heard this uh, interesting story this past week about this young man and... uh, He was really hired up for money and he was walking past his zoo and he says, well, maybe they've got a job for me, you know. Uh, So he walks into the personnel office there, asks them if they've got any openings. And they told him, sorry, we don't uh, really have any uh, openings available. However, you know, they looked at him and he's this really big, you know, strapping uh, young man. Is there something that you may be able to help us out with? You see, uh, what happened was our uh, gorilla died last week. And we don't have a gorilla in there. But, uh, you know, you're a pretty good-sized young man. You know, we've got a gorilla suit. And, you know, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to put that on and, uh, you know, try to convince everybody, you know, that you're the gorilla there. So, you know, he's really hired up for money and says, you know, why not? So he puts on the gorilla suit and he looks at himself in the mirror says, this is never going to work. But he goes on ahead and does it, you know, gets into the uh, uh, gorilla enclosure, you know, and he's uh, beating on his chest like this, you know, and uh, he's, there's a vine that was there in the enclosure. He grabbed a hold of it and he's swinging back and forth like that and uh the people The public are buying it. They, th- they really think that he's a gorilla. And so he's having the, the time of his life. And the, about the third day, you know he's swinging from that vine and he goes a little bit too far, and the vine snaps. And of all places, he falls into the lion cage. <laughs> and he looks up at the the lion. And uh, the lion starts walking towards him. And he says, oh my gosh, you know, the, that lion is going to just tear me to shreds. And he calls out, help, help, somebody help. And the lion walks up to him. And the lion says to him, shut up. You're going to get us both fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you got a fake gorilla And a fake (laughs) lion. Okay, so question to ask, are you the same way? Are you a fake Christian or are you a genuine Christian? Amen? You know, only you can answer that. You know, uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, you can fool all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, Isn't that the truth? Didn't uh, those liberals, you know, buy this lie that Trump colluded with the Russians? Didn't they buy that? You know, for, until the Mueller report finally came out. You can fool all the, uh, some of the people, all the time, all the people, all the, uh, uh, you know, all the people's, or some, I'm blowing it right here, some of the people all the time, But you can't fool all the people all the time. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. Now, I didn't realize it at the time, you know, I learned that way back, I think, in grade school or junior high, something like that, way back when. There's a little corollary, corollary to that that I didn't realize. And that is, you can't fool God any of the time. So don't even try. If you try to fool God, sooner or later, you will find, find out that the only person you're really fooling is yourself. Now, a little contrast uh, of God with a Satan, and I'm, I'm going to end up with uh, uh, this, you know. Um... Every once in a while, I feel like as your pastor, I need to remind you of who and what Satan is. Unlike God, Satan is a finite being. He's created just as we are. He therefore is neither omnipresent nor omniscient. Amen? And... Some, uh, I'll just share with you uh, two quick main, uh, main scriptures regarding this. Incidentally, I learned these when I was reading you know, back, way back in 1975 when I first really got serious for the Lord about a copy of uh, Hal Lindsey's book, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. There's two main scriptures that deal in depth with Satan's fall. One is uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 17. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? You know what Lucifer means? It means light bearer. And that describes Satan as God created him. How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart... I will ascend to heaven, into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars, as we're going to see, refers to the angels of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So those are the very famous I will sayings of uh, Satan. And really, the I will is really the source of all sin. Self-will. It's a desire to be more like, more than God created you to be. And to be something that you are not. And you are not God. What was that temptation that uh, Satan first delivered to Adam and Eve? You will be like God knowing evil. And so that's really the source of all sin is when you decide you're going to be whatever you want to be and not what God wants you to be. And you are not God. Verse 15... Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol the lowest depths of the pit. You shall be brought down. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, and the world is a wilderness and destroyed its city? You know, they, they look at the way that God is going to, you know, bring down Satan ultimately at the end of time. And they're going to say, Is this really the guy that really, uh, you know, tempted us and caused so much havoc? You know, God's going to bring him low. You know, he's already been cast down to earth, but he's going to bring him uh, low. Now, another scripture is found in Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel 28 is an interesting chapter because at the beginning of, it talks about the Prince of Tyre. Tyre was a uh, city that is in now in uh, uh, Lebanon. Back in ancient times, it was called Phoenicia. And he talks about two men. One is called the Prince of Tyre, who scholars believe refers to the earthly ruler of the city-state of Tyre. And then he talks about... To the king of Tyre. And the king of Tyre was the ultimate ruling spiritual force behind the prince of Tyre. In other words, Satan himself. And Ezekiel writes in verse 12 of uh, uh, chapter 28, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, that is, Satan himself, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of uh, wisdom and perfect in beauty. You know, when people depict uh, Satan, how do they depict him? They depict him, you know, this red, red, you know, uh, uh, kind of like in a Union suit, you know, with horns and everything, an evil grin, mustache maybe, and a pointed tail behind him. Right? That's a kind of cartoonish character. Satan doesn't look anything like that. You know, Satan tries to, you know, create these cartoonish characters so we won't believe in him. You know, that's uh, Satan's, uh, you know, clever strategy maybe is to make people think that he doesn't really exist. Satan was really probably among the most beautiful beings that God has ever created. Continuing there in verse 13 of uh, Ezekiel chapter 28. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The uh, worksmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You know, some scholars believe that Satan was originally appointed by God to be the uh, worship leader up there in heaven for him. You were the anointed cherub who covers, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You worked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. You know, there's also a scripture in First uh, uh, Corinthians. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses fourteen and fifteen It's talking about the false apostles and uh, uh, disguising themselves as angels of light and it says no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no great that his if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to the, their works Now, at Satan's fall, a third of God's angels followed him. Verse 3 of uh, Revelation chapter 12. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. This is all, uh, you know part of the vision that uh, the Apostle John saw for the uh, book of Revelation, you know. And this is all symbolic, you know, don't take it literally. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Verse 9 of uh, Revelation chapter 12, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the dragon is a description of Satan. And the stars that are being spoken of there, where it says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Uh, According to Job uh, 38, verse 7, these are symbolic of the angels of heaven, or It's just another way of saying angels. So in the biblical worldview of the spirit realm, and everybody, you know, you need to uh, uh, really understand the biblical worldview. You have God, who is an infinite and all-powerful being, omniscient and omnipresent, and along with his angels, you know, it says that a third of the angels were cast down with Satan, that followed him in his rebellion. Now, what you think about what that means, is that only a third of them followed Satan, and therefore two-thirds of them still remained loyal to God. So, God has twice as many angels as the devil has. Isn't that right? Okay. Two-thirds as opposed to one-third. And the the last uh, three, you know, Satan and his angels, and even the angels of God, those are finite beings, not infinite. They are not omnipresent or omniscient as God is. Okay, so the bottom line is the devil has limited power, well, whereas God is omnipotent; he has unlimited power. Satan has limited power. And Satan cannot make you do anything. Right. Anybody ever said heard that say you know the devil made me do it. Is that true? The, the devil cannot make you do anything. You do what when you sin you do it of your own free volition. But you can put yourself in bondage to Satan and these uh, uh, malevolent spirits by. You know, obeying them and falling down in a certain area of your life. Falling down in sin. Uh, Repeatedly you fall down in that. You put yourself into bondage to them. But because Satan is not omnipotent, all-powerful, nor omnipresent, all-present, nor omniscient, he delegates the responsibilities to his uh, angels or uh, demonic minions. Now, this is my assertion here. The, B- the Bible doesn't say one way or another. I don't believe that uh, the devil can read your mind. I do, however, believe that he can plant thoughts in your head. And that explains why... You know, sometimes it seems like the worst possible time. Like if you're in prayer or something like that, you know, the most wicked, vile thought will suddenly pop into your head out of nowhere. And you think to yourself, where did that come? Well, if that ever happens, you know, then you rebuke that thought. And this is probably what Paul means when he speaks of the fiery darts of the wicked one. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, he says, Take the shield of faith by which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, shield of faith. You know, you have faith in God that God didn't put it there. And it's a uh, uh, thought that uh, Satan is trying to uh, lead you astray. He's trying to interrupt. You know, you're praying there, you know, uh, Fellowshipping with the Lord, he's going to want to try to, you know, do something to disrupt your concentration. And that's why also uh, Paul tells us in to, to take into captivity every thought and make it conform to the obedience of Christ. Incidentally, you know this thing about the angels, what does the, the word say? It says that God uh, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who should be heirs of salvation? Amen. So, you know, the angels are not there to write down your bad deeds or tempt you or put evil thoughts in your your head. They are there to minister to you if you're an heir of salvation. Amen. So, the bottom line is don't fear Satan. You know, he is a being of limited power who one day is going to be brought down. And that's what the Bible tells us, right? What's it say? It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, that is the malevolent spirits, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. You can tap into the unlimited resources of God. And He's always there. And He will listen to you if you will just reach out to Him. Okay, so I want to wrap things up there. You know, I've got a lot more to say, but we need to get into the uh, uh, communion part of the service. So I would ask uh, if uh, you would come forward... um, Uh, Sarah and uh, Freddie, to uh, distribute the elements. Communion meditation. theme for today is, Remember the Omnipresence of God. And the thing to ask yourself this morning is, does everything that you think, do, and say, does that please God? Does it bring glory to God? If it brings glory to anyone else. Then you need to repent of it. Sense, right? Okay, so go on ahead and uh, uh, start the um, communion song. reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 starting in verse 23 For I have received of the Lord which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus in the same night that he in which he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks he broke it and said Take eat this is my body which is broken for you This do in remembrance of me Father we lift up the bread Lord which represents your body that was broken for us Lord and Lord uh, so often we just think of your hands and your feet being nailed but there's a lot more to it Lord you were beaten about the face and those Roman soldiers reached up and took hold of your beard and pulled the hair out. And Lord, your brow was pierced by the crown of thorns and your back ripped open by the cat of nine tails. And all of that was before they pierced your hands and your feet and your side. So Lord, we remember the physical agony that you had to endure on behalf of our sins, Lord. And, Lord, as we partake of this bread, help us to perceive your body, Lord. Lord, we know that this bread is not literally your body and blood, but it represents your body, Lord, which was broken for us. Everybody partake now. Verse twenty-five of uh, First Corinthians, chapter eleven. After the same manner, he also took the cup when he had and had supped, saying, "This cup is the new testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he come." Father, we come before you and we lift up our cups, Lord God, and keep in mind what this represents, Lord. It represents the new covenant that was contained in the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that was poured out for us on Calvary. Lord, your word says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so, Lord, help us to keep this in mind, that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed there on the cross for us. And, Lord, we thank you for that uh, great and precious promise that if we would walk in the light as you were in the light, that we would have fellowship one with another, including the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blood of his covenant keeps on cleansing us from every sin. Okay, everybody partake now. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we... Keep in mind what we're, we've are we been studying today, Lord. And help us, Lord God, to envision you throughout this week, Lord, as being present there. And Lord, help us to think and say and do things, Lord, that are pleasing in your sight, Lord. That glorify you and not glorify ourselves. And... Lord, we thank you that you shed your blood there on the cross, Lord, to pay pay for all of our sins, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you'd bless this word to our hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go on ahead and. uh,